Glad you could join us today. My name is Daniel Cavanaugh, and I'm here with my dad, Charles. This is Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We're in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And we are ready to jump into a new series. Um, what we want to start on today is conversion. Um, and that is a topic of discussion, I would have to say, is that it can bring a lot of discourse if you will. Right. Um, and even discord. And discord in regards to how we view conversion, what it means to become converted, right. meaning salvation and the work of the effectual work of the gospel right. in someone's heart. Um, and what we want to look at today, I think a, a safe question is, is it just, quote, asking Jesus into your heart? Right. Is it that or is it more than that? Um, and so today we kind of want to bullet down to conversion and the conscience. We're just going to deal with the conscience today, and then we'll kind of build upon that in the next few weeks. Uh, but we want to see today is where the conscience fits in to conversion. Um, and what we're looking at here really is the awakening of the right. lost person's awareness, if you will, right. that I am a sinner and that I'm in need of Christ right. and Christ alone to right. save me. I, I think we should also point out a difference between a truly awakened conscience and a curious person. Which is a big difference. Yes. Now, we never, we may not see the difference. There may be a person who's talking to us, asking questions, and they just may be curious. Right. The Lord may use that curiosity to lead to an awakening. But we need to know that not everybody who's curious is necessarily on the verge of accepting Christ. Uh, I've interacted with few from the Muslim faith. Um over the last few years, and and what I find is they are curious. Right. Now, there are some who have come to know Christ, so I don't want to discount that. But by nature, especially the younger generation of the Muslims, they're very curious about other people's beliefs and thoughts. Right. And for the first time, some of them are coming aware that there is something other than mm -hmm. the, the Muslim faith. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's an example of what you're talking about right. there. Yeah. Um, okay, so jumping in here, we want to talk about the condition, the confrontation, the conviction of the conscience. So let's just jump in here and talk about the conditions of the conscience. What is the condition pre-salvation? Right. There are, uh, there are a few words that describe the human conscience outside of Christ. Uh, one of those words is dead. Uh, a dead conscience. Uh, Hebrews talks about having our consciences purified from, purified from dead works. Right. Um, so the conscience is not naturally alive to spiritual things. We're dead in trespasses and sin. That, that includes the whole man spiritually, and the conscience is a part of that spiritual makeup. So dead is a word. Um, there's not life there. There's not spiritual life there anyway. Deceived is another word that's used to describe the conscience. Uh, the inability of the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, neither can he know them for they're spiritually appraised or spiritually discerned. Um, and so the natural man doesn't have, he, he, he can naturally be deceived. Right. And he is naturally, or she is naturally deceived. That is, they don't know their condition. Right. They may very well think, probably think they're fine. Their thinking is fine. Their, uh, their whole life is just right. fine. If there's anything wrong, it's not their fault. It's because of their circumstances or someone else. So there's that deception going on. And then there's also uh, not only deception, but distorted. Uh, just a distorted view, what I might call a perverse view of, of truth and error. 
of, of life, not just uh, deceived, but the view they have of life, of truth, of the gospel, of Christ, of God, is distorted. All of that is to say that uh, they're blind. Right, and, and going back to the issue of deadness, um, I th- there's a one of our board members actually, we were having this discussion some time back in regards to salvation and the issue of deadness. What is our state? And our ability. Right. Yeah. Um, and he kind of gave a threefold example, uh, all based within the same story, if you will. Uh, one is there is this survivor in the ocean who is floating along and he's wailing his arms and he's, he's asking for a life preserver. Is that salvation? And you throw in the life preserver and he's saved, you know. Then he gives the second example of one who's gone down, comes back up, goes back, you know, and then finally he's going down for the last time and somebody grabs him and pulls him out. You know, is that salvation? Then he gives the last example of the one who is actually drowned, who's in the bottom of the ocean, has no breath, he's dead. and Lungs full of water. Right, somebody pulls him out and breathes life into him and restores him back. Is that salvation? And and I would say, we'd say the deadness there, of which the scripture right. speaks of, is the latter. <clears throat> right. It is that which a person has no ability to respond to spiritual things other than being awoken to them. Right. Yeah. Having life breathed into him. And exactly. I think, yeah. And, and that's I, an excellent, um, an excellent example or illustration of where the unconverted person is and where their conscience is. Okay. So we talk about the condition in regards to the conscience and conversion and really, really it's pre-conversion because there's just that awakening that's taking place. Um, but what about the confrontation of the conscience? What do we mean by that confrontation? Well, it's not enough, I hope most of our listeners understand, but it's not enough for us to say, um, don't you want to go to heaven? Right. Just ask Jesus into your heart, and God will save you. You can go to heaven. Okay, so you mentioned that, and I mentioned it before coming on, or as we were coming on, and, and it's a very popular phrase. It's been used for a very, very long time. If we're going to say it's not right, why is just asking Jesus into your heart, not the proper response or view. Well, you probably need to understand where it comes from and people's understanding of the fact that Christ lives in the believer. Right. Christ indwells the believer. Right. So, so it Which seems natural. Yes, right. that is true. And it seems natural. Then if you're lost and Jesus is not in you, you ask him to come in. However, we're never told to right. ask Christ to come in. Actually, we are told to confess. Right. And we're going to get to confession at some right. point in this whole discussion, not today, but but to um, to give people the impression that conversion is because you've asked Jesus into your heart is not a biblical consideration. Right. Now I know the word Trinity is not in the Bible. We believe in the Trinity. Right. We're not going there, but there are good reasons, biblical reasons. Right. We just that's what we call it. Some people want to call the event of salvation happening when you ask Jesus into your heart. I, I think what we do there, biblically, is give people the wrong impression. Well, I think when we dumb it down. Yeah. And it, it becomes very much man-centered as opposed to the working of Christ. Not that we don't confess, and then we're going to talk about that later. Not that we don't repent. Not or that we, pray or, or whatever. pray. Yeah. But if it's boiled down just to that, then it's not just that. Right, and we want to watch the formula thing. Because right. we see several instances where people are converted and 
and really very few of them are exactly the same. Right. So, so here we are, we're talking about confrontation, the confrontation of the conscience, and the conscience needs to be confronted with the reality of God and the reality of its own sin. And a, a couple of things do that. One is general revelation. And we see general revelation in the Old Testament spoken of in Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament or the expanse shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. There's no speech or language or the voice is not heard. Mm-hmm. There, this line is, is drawn out through all the earth. Right. So everybody sees the reality of God and in general revelation. Romans 1 talks about if right. you start in verse 18 and the following verses. Many of our listeners will be familiar with that. But conscience and the creation are both spoken of right. as general revelation. Right. Consciousness of God, uh, even some sense that we're not what we ought to be, all of those are part of our conscience and uh, creation <clears throat> itself shows God. So that's general revelation. People, but not enough. Well, we often say, I asked a professor of mine one time this question, is it true that there's, there's enough revelation in nature and conscience to condemn a man but not enough to convict a man or convert a man and he said well that's kind of a cliche we need to be careful of cliches but there's truth to that a person can be held accountable for not responding to the general revelation of truth around us but they need more than that for conversion that leads us to specific or special revelation general revelation special revelation the special revelation of truth is in the word of god the gospel person has to be confronted with the gospel. And I think it's interesting because also in Romans, Romans chapter 10, it talks about the importance of preaching and mm-hmm. teaching, right. of proclaiming the truth, um, and we believe that someone must hear the truth. Right. Um, and I would encourage our listeners to read through Romans multiple times and study because it really is the thesis of the Christian faith. It's a primer um, on yeah, salvation. Absolutely. And and. and not just the what leads to it and the conversion itself, but then what comes out of salvation. Right. What, um, but I, I think someone, just to, to head off a question, uh, a specific question, someone said, what about the Philippian jailer? Did they, did they tell him all the particulars and it doesn't look like he had all that much time to do, go through these things? The truth is, anyone who's converted goes through these things. Well, he had been reading Isaiah, by the way. Well, the Philippian jailer had been here. No, I'm sorry, not the Philippian. I'm, I'm getting into You're Ethiopian. talking about the Ethiopian yeah, yeah, eunuch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's a that's a valid one too. Right. You know, but uh, but the the Philippian jailer had the opportunity to hear whatever it was that Paul and Silas were doing right. during the night, and uh, so we don't know how much he heard. We know that he heard enough to say, "What must I do to be saved?" Which I means something awoken him. Oh yeah, he was awakened. Or awakened. Yeah. Yeah. and he was. He was definitely, uh, he saw something of his own condition and need, and he cried out, what must I do to be saved, to be delivered from my sin? Mm. He knew he needed to be delivered. And uh, and they told him that he must believe. So Okay, so we have the condition, we have the confrontation, general revelation, special revelation, in particular the Word of God. Um, what about the conviction of the conscience? Um, yeah, conviction. I don't know how many times over the years I have seen or heard examples of people who were at least somewhat having a give and take with truth, right? but who never came to Christ or who seemed to, but later didn't give any evidence of coming to Christ. A missing element, an important element, is conviction of sin, conviction mm-hmm. of, of uh, enmity with God, conviction of having... Uh, 
of having offended God. So our sin has to come into play in this whole process that's leading up to conversion. And uh, so if that's so, then there needs to be an awareness of sin. Mm. And I, I think there's, there's, it's hard because we don't know the inner workings of someone's heart and the spiritual awakening that's going in place. And it's, I think it's seen over time. Um, whether it's a short period of time or a long period of time when we finally see someone confess Christ. Um, but I think we have to, as you said, be careful because so many people can have a, a general interest mm -hmm. in the fact that, yeah, they know they do things right. wrong, right. but they really don't want to turn from their sin. But for conversion to happen, at some point in this continuum, and this is not a bad, what we're giving here, this sort of step-by-step, -step, this is sort of the, the way it happens. We may not see it. Right. And others may not see it, but... In the conscience and in the heart of hearts of the person, this process is happening. It doesn't happen the same for everyone. It doesn't take the same length of time for everyone. But at some point in this process, a person becomes aware of sin, mm. becomes aware of their need of Christ. Well, they going back to the condition, they become aware of their condition. They do. They, they become they aware of the fact that they were dead. They were depraved. It's, at some point, and not everyone responds with exactly the same emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say it is safe to say everyone responds with the same sense of deadness and sinfulness. Exactly. I know a well-known Christian celebrity who's going to be with the Lord now, but he talks about when he came under conviction, became aware of his sin, he just pulled over the side of the road. He could not drive. Hmm. He was weeping so. He wept for a half hour. I have a friend in the ministry, a young man who grew up under my ministry, and he had a, his firstborn, his son, lost not interested in the things of God. I get goosebumps telling this because I prayed for this young man right. for years right. and recently was converted. But one of the things that happened is he was driving down. He had to pull over. He began to think of his sin and the goodness of God. And he wept for a while before he could get back on the road. Mm. Point is, now everybody doesn't do that. And I don't want to give the impression this is how it has It's almost happened. like not everybody has a uh, on-the-road experience like Paul. Like Paul, yeah. But some do. <laughs> However it happens, there is an awareness of sin and then a consideration of truth. I think my example would be the opposite of that in that um, I had made a profession of faith, mm -hmm. if you will. I had asked Jesus into my heart. Right. And it wasn't until in my teenage years um, that the Lord began to make me realize that whether I really was a Christian, mm -hmm. did I really say the right things, and then I came to the realization that it wasn't what I said and how I did it. It right. was... Who was I was looking to? I was trusting Christ, but that awareness, that uh, understanding, and my sinfulness and my need of Christ was a gradual thing. Like it wasn't like I just was like, "Oh my gosh, I got a boom! I'm, I'm I got it!" You know, and oh, I'm such a sinner. It happened, and then when I realized it, it was a glorious thing. I do remember that. Yeah. But <laughs> it was not the pull over the side of the road, weep. Exactly. You no. Know? Yeah. So, but anyway. And, and your brother, similar, but but opportunities that I had to confront him with the gospel and his need to practice his own sin. It was some years later right. that that he came to faith. But we all have that awareness, and then there's a consideration. The awareness of sin is one thing. Then to, to seriously consider the truth mm. and how it applies to my situation. That can happen very quickly, suddenly almost. Oh, yeah. But it happens. Sometimes a person goes for months, even years, right. mulling over, miserable. And that was not me. Miserable. Yeah, that was me exactly, yeah. I, and me. It was uh, so. That this is part of the conviction, awareness of sin, consideration of truth, leading to a certain misery, in an unsaved condition. So here we are at the precipice of conversion. 
You know, we're not going there today. We're going to do that next week. But what we have here is a process that happens sometimes very quickly, sometimes not so quickly, sometimes really lengthy, mm. but it happens. It's not something we can ignore when it comes to conversion. Conversion is not just, oh, Jesus is wonderful. He'll let me go to heaven. Right. I ask him into my heart. Everything's cool now. Right. It's not just that. You know, and I would have a feeling through all of this that um, our listeners may have questions. Right. Um, they are more than willing to email us on the what I will give here at the end. But you might want to wait till the end of this because we might yeah. answer all those questions right. wait according to God's word. And then by all means, <laughs> email text. Uh, yeah. So anyway, well, this is good. This is good stuff. I look forward to continuing on through the next several weeks here to consider what it means to truly experience God-wrought, spirit-wrought conversion according to the truth right. of the gospel. More than just a happy event, it Absolutely. is that, but uh, conversion, the change, because we'll talk about that next week. Amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. We look forward to being with you next week. Crosstalk is a production of Vision for Living Ministries. This is a free resource, but if you would like to support us, you can do so by visiting visionforliving.org forward slash support. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website where you will find other resources, including our blog. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash B4L. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at visionforliving.org or send us a message on Facebook. Join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond.